Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Genesis, Bereshit chapter 6, please. Genesis chapter 6. We're going to look at something uh, interesting today and to see how it coordinates and something that all of us can apply to our lives. Everybody can apply this to our lives. Genesis chapter 6. God had told Noah to do something outlandish, absolutely outlandish. You all know the story of Noah and uh, the ark. I know it's a very archaic story. Mm. Wow. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to rock the boat with that one. Oh, boy, somebody's going to make me walk the plank in just a minute here. I know. <laughs> so I, they weren't in my notes, you know. It's like, oh, stick with the note. No, don't stick with it. Build an ark. Okay, build an ark. Really build an ark? I mean, seriously, a, a huge ark. And bring in animals? What, two by two? A flood is coming? Well, what, what is this Mishigas? It's just, it's so outlandish in so many ways. It's, it, it's, it's really even, there's too much here that's ridiculous even to even mention. Uh, so many things that God told Noah to do that in the natural just made zero sense, made absolutely zero sense at all that God would tell Noah to do these things. You got to think that, uh, I mean, it, it took him so long, I'll, I'll talk about it. It took him a long time to build the ark. Can you imagine that along the way, how many times maybe Noah must have thought, was that really God I heard? <laughs> I mean, you know, really, uh, you got to think, you know, hold on, maybe that was just the lasagna I had last night, you know? Maybe that was, hey, honey, honey, what'd you put in the lasagna? You know, it's, oh man, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it just seems, it seems so outlandish to, to do something like this back in those days. It's, it's uh, and, and in Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, though, it says this. So Noah did according to all that God commanded him. And then it says, he did so exactly so remember, God giving him exact dimensions, this many cubits, this many, the, okay, this, this big, here's what I want you to do, build it with this, whatever. He did it exactly, exactly as God told him to do. Even with as crazy as it might have sounded to him in the flesh, he did it. He did it exactly. Noah was obedient to God even when it made no sense. Uh, in the way that we think of sense, right? But God knew what was coming. God knew what was coming, that all living creatures that lived on the land would soon be dead. And the ark, 
would be Noah's refuge. And Noah built the ark and he put his family and the animals into it. But there's a very important, we're not going to read the whole story today. It's a beautiful story. Uh, uh, But there's a very important part of the story that I think is oftentimes overlooked. It's a tiny little part that's almost like a postscript. It's almost like a little sideline that's in the story. But I think that it has great significance, especially given the context of Noah building the ark and taking so long, and it can be easily missed. Why? Because it took Noah. I read, and, and you got different scholars that, that will uh, postulate how long it took Noah to build the ark based on the, uh, the dates and the times we have in scriptures and, and all, but universally, no matter, what, no matter how you look at it, it seems to me that the general consensus of scholars of how long it took Noah to build an ark that big Somewhere between 75 and 100 years, okay? It took a long time. This wasn't like a weekend project, y'all. You know, this, this, was, this wasn't on the honeydew list. This was a long time. Now, yeah, people lived uh, a long time back then. In fact, it would be right, right after Noah's time that the people would live much shorter, more like our lifespans. But still, I don't care, if, I don't care how many years you live, 75 years is a long time. And he was in his prime, you know, in his 500s <laughs> or thereabouts. You know, you know what I'm saying. Okay, whatever. It's a long time, 75 to 100 years to build an ark. What's my point of even mentioning that? It's important to, to mention that to understand that Noah invested a lot into this ark. He invested a lot into this ark. Are you kidding me? There's nobody you know who's ever built something for 75 to 100 years. There's nobody you know. No one you know has ever done it. I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible today. But just to think, however long a project you've ever had in your life, this is, magnify that by probably 100 or more, 1,000, I don't know, for Noah to build this giant ship. It was like a ship. It wasn't a boat. It was a ship. And, uh, and you got to think that Noah planned for every eventuality on the ark, it surely was quite a work. Now, we know that Noah made it to God's specifications. God specified this long, this wide, whatever. This is, okay, but, but surely Noah had a big hand in many of the details. It's like, let's see, where are we going to put the door? Noah decided this. Where are we going to put the, the gate here? You know, how are we going to make the floor arrangement? What, what's the, the, the blueprint of the design of the, of the stairs? And how many ramps do we need for this? And and, uh, you know, what decoration am I going to put on the, the sleeping quarters? Uh, you know, how, how am I going to get my bed in there? And how's that going to... There's so many nuances and details, but when you have that long, he surely thought of a lot of these things. And he, he surely just had projects where he just, like, took time and was like, I think I'm going to make this look really nice. I'm going to put a little, little kind of trim on it, you know, and, yeah, a little trim on the ark right there might be good. And... Uh, this is our ark, different ark, but but the, okay. But the, the but the point is, is that you know that Noah, he, he spent some time on this thing with a lot of details, a lot of detail work. That's my point. Okay, chapter seven. Finally, it was time for the flood to come. Verse one, chapter seven, verse one. Then Adonai said to Noah, "Come, you and all your household, into the ark, for you only do I perceive is righteous before me in this generation." Wow. Imagine the moment. I mean, that must have been quite a moment, right? Noah, finally God's saying, hey, come into the ark. Come into the ark. 
and uh, with your family because you're like the only righteous people. Imagine the moment after all this time, after all this time, so he, his family, and the animals entered, and we read the account of that in chapter 7. He and his, all the animals, they, they started loading them on, man, and, and, and they got them all on the ark. But, but something very interesting uh, happened once they were in the ark. So they all got in the ark. The, the rain was coming. The flood was already uh, on its way. We read about this. All this was kind of happen, happening concurrently as they were loading people and all the animals into the ark. Okay, it was just his family. It was, you know, it was just eight of them. Okay, and then, so then the waters are coming, and, and it's time, you know, they, they, they all get on the ark, and then the last of the animals are loaded, uh, and then something very interesting happened. Chapter 7, verse 13 says, on that same day, Noah, along with Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, uh, and as a side note, um, one of his sons was not kosher. Okay, it was Ham. Okay, I'm just... I've, I've, been, I've been away a little bit here, you know, and I'm just getting back in the swing of things. And so just work with me. Work with me here. Ham was not kosher. It's interesting. Ham actually was, as it, as it turns out, not the father of the Jewish people. <laughs> what a coincidence where he didn't come from Ham. <laughs> ah, very good. Uh, as a side note and, and a useless uh, trivial point here is that we actually came from the son Shem. Uh, which is one of the reasons why we're called the Semites or Semitic people. Anti-Semitism comes from the name Shem. Okay. Uh, Noah's wife uh, and the three wives of Noah's sons with them enter the ark. Verse 15. I'm going to skip to verse 15. So to Noah and into the ark, uh, they went, the animals, by twos. All flesh in which was the spirit of life. Okay. They all came into the ark. Verse 16. Those that came, male and female of all flesh, came just as God commanded him. Then Adonai shut him in. Okay, let me stop. Let me say that again. Then Adonai shut him in. I want to say it one more time. Then Adonai shut him in. Hmm. Stop for just a minute and think about that. I would certainly think that Noah probably had planned somehow to close the door, <laughs> right? I mean, it only makes sense. I mean, uh, if, if, if Noah put, put the, the, the filigree and the finials and the, all, all the, the fine work on the ark and he worked on it for 7,500 years, surely it probably dawned on him, hmm, how are we going to close this up? Once we get all the animals and, and people on. It's not like that would have escaped his mind. He surely had a rope or something. You know, that, okay, pull the rope. We're going to close this thing up. He surely had it available to him to shut the door. But you see, there's something more profound here than simple functionality. God himself closed the door. Very interesting. It's, it's distinctly placed in the Torah as, as a distinct and unquestionable point. Look at it in, in the Hebrew as well. It's very clear. It's, it's, it's he shut or closed him in, right? After all that Noah had done, 
It was God himself who closed the door. It was God who sealed him in for his protection. It was God. You got to think, I mean, even though Noah may have been a, a master craftsman, for, for, a, for a ship not to leak, especially a ship that, would, that took that long to build, you think about that. God had to have, be involved in it for that ship not to leak and sink that long. This is thousands of years ago. And in particular, the most vulnerable place for leakage is going to be the last thing to close. And that's the, the door that they all came in with all the animals. That just makes sense, right? That, that door, kink. Well, you know, how do you seal that? I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that Noah had plans once it's closed, maybe put some putty in or I have no idea. But you got to think, I mean, there was massive storms. It would be floating on the water for a long time. And it would be susceptible, and, and, and the, the, the door to get in had to be relatively low because all the animals had to get into it. I mean, you got to think about that. It had to be big, too. Elephants, the whole Megillah. So although Noah had a way to do it, no. It's almost like God, and, and I'm going to go a little sci-fi here, it's almost like God put a force field around the ark. You know, that's kind of the way I think about it. It's almost like God was like, okay, they're all in. Boom. Because you know? <laughs> it says that God sealed them in. God sealed them in. He, he put them in some kind of like a little, mm, like a cocoon of sorts, uh, like a, a, a protective container that, that, that could not be penetrated. He specifically sealed them in. It's, 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 it's way too random to be random. It's not random. It's intentional that this was put in there and the fact that God did this. His protection was around them and upon them. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel 6. It's our service leader's favorite book of the Bible. <laughs> King Darius made a law back in those days. The children of Israel were in captivity, <clears throat> children of Judah. And King Darius had made a law that said that only he could be prayed to, only this foreign king could be prayed to. Anyone who violated this, the law went out, and it was a law that he was kind of connived into putting out, would be thrown into the lion's den. Not good. Daniel chapter 6, verse 11. Now, when Daniel learned that a written decree had been issued, he went into his house where the windows in his upper room opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he knelt down, prayed, and gave thanks before his God, just as he did before. As a short little side note, a quick little aside here to the, to the point I want to make. Daniel prayed facing where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He, as it said, he, he prayed facing Jerusalem. Friends, our people have been doing this for thousands of years. It's absolutely interesting to me to hear, even today, how people try to say, oh, Jerusalem, that's not really, it's not really Jewish, it's 
it's, you know, it's kind of made up. And it's like, oh, they really don't have their history there. The Temple Mount, that really didn't exist. You hear a whole bunch of stuff that's just like, what? Our people have been looking towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem never been the capital of any other people in, in all of history. But the Jewish people. And, and the Jewish people have never had another capital. Jerusalem. Jerusalem's our capital. And so there it was, that even in captivity, even the diaspora, hello, just like us, we face Jerusalem. This is towards Jerusalem, right? And this is how we pray, is facing towards Jerusalem. Okay. But the point here is that Daniel was not intimidated by the king's decree. The king said, you can only pray to me or you're going to go in the lion's den. And Daniel thought about it, and surely he was like, oh boy, this, is, this isn't good. This is not a good, uh, this is not a good place for me, but... Hey, listen, I got to pray to the one true God. I can't, we're, as, this, as, as, uh, as Joshua Aaron's song says, we will not bow before the gods of men. We worship the God of Israel, right? That's what Joshua Aaron's song said. That's what Daniel did. Daniel said, well, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Let the chips fall where they may. I gotta worship God. I, I I pray to God. I don't I don't pray to this king, this earthly king. No, I pray to God, and he didn't hide it either. He went right up where he normally does, opened the window, people could see him, people could hear him, and there he is praying towards Jerusalem, not intimidated. He obeyed only God. Daniel did his part. Even so, what happened? Sure enough, he was taken. He was taken into captivity, and he was thrown into the lion's den. It's interesting because when you read it, you can tell that the king liked Daniel, and he really didn't want to throw him in, but his decree could not be changed. It's one of these kings that once they issue the decree, it's it's done deal, and he even doesn't contradict it. So, okay, so he threw him in the lion's den, and, and, and so then what happened, of course, you know what happened, because the king went coming to check on things. Daniel 6, verse 20, at dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. As he reached the den, he cried out to Daniel with a voice of anguish. The king spoke out to Daniel, saying, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve continually, able to rescue you from the lions. Daniel spoke to the king. Hey, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they haven't harmed me because I was found innocent before him, nor have I committed any crime against you, O king. Wow. God shut the lions' mouths. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. I mean, and if you read about it, the king was like, okay, well, all the guys who were trying to frame Daniel, I'm throwing him in the lion's den, and the lions all, <laughs> their, their mouths were no longer closed. I'll put it that way. Okay, you can read about it in chapter six. <laughs> so, so it wasn't like they weren't hungry. You know, I, I was reading, I thought, well, maybe they had just been fed a, a, a meal. No, no, that wasn't it at all. No, and it was clear that it was multiple lions as well. Hmm. Friends, God's protection was severe and complete. It was almost like he had put um, Daniel in this little cocoon or this little bubble, right? It was almost like God put a force field around the lion's mouths. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
That, oh, he's going in the lion's den. Oh, he's going in the lion's den. Okay. Ooh. You know, it's like, you know, they, 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 lions couldn't open their mouths. You know, it's like, well, he did this kind of cool thing. I don't know how it worked, but that, that's what he did in some form or fashion. His protection. There's a spiritual principle here, friends, that we need to take hold of in our lives. And we can see this principle clearly. Uh, in some ways, Daniel, I really think that uh, the book of Job, I'm going to Job, by the way, Job chapter one, next. The, the story of Job is a little bit like behind the parochet. It's, it's behind the curtain. We get to see a little bit behind the scenes of, of, of what can and does sometimes happen. Uh, and we get just a glimpse of something that's very interesting. And, uh, and, and how it plays out is interesting, but the, but the principle to start with, to me, is most interesting. We'll talk about it. Job chapter 1, verse 8. Adonai and uh, Hasatan, uh, the Satan, were talking. So you got God and, and the adversary speaking to each other in verse 8. Adonai said to the Satan, Did you notice my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and spurns evil. Hmm. He's saying, hey, have you checked out Job? He's all that. Verse 9, Then the Satan responded to Adonai, saying, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, his household, and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Now, let me stop here because I want to make a point, something that this reveals that is a lesson here to us and gives us a better and deeper understanding. We see here in the story that the Satan asks for God to give Job over to him and predicts that when calamity comes that Job will curse God, which of course Job does not. But the point that I want to make, and the interesting thing if we back up for a minute and think about what the, the devil says and what, how God replies here, the point I want to make is that for this man Job that faithfully followed God, we see that God had placed around him a hedge of protection. A hedge of protection. You hear people sometimes pray, a pray a hedge of protection. Where is that from? That's taken from Job chapter one, right? A hedge was around Job, around him, his household, and everything he has. In fact, within this hedge is blessings for his work and increased possessions even for Job. Now, it's interesting because, yes, Job is tested and, uh, and, and some of that protection is pulled back uh, as for the test and Job passes the test, etc. But, but that's not the point. I'm really not even focused on Job in particular. I'm focused on the principle that is established here in scriptures is that God sometimes does, can, and will put a hedge of protection around his holy ones, 
around those who follow him. That's, that's kind of a takeaway from the story, aside from the whole story of Job. And so we see in these and many other stories a common refrain. If we follow God closely and are obedient to him, God can place a hedge of protection around us. Kind of like that force field, right? He can protect us with that cool force field. He not only can, but he does. We see explicitly in regards to Job, the, a hedge of protection. That can, so we know it's not like, does God ever do that? No, asked and answered. God does put a hedge of protection around people. And, and, and so uh, he can shut us in from the flood. He can close the lion's mouth. Now, friends, understand that doesn't mean that we're not thrown in the lion's den. Hello. That doesn't mean that we don't have to go through the flood. We might have to go through the flood. We might have to go into the lion's den. And, and even Job, who was tested, had to go through hell. <laughs> so I, I'm not saying that just means it's all rosy and everything. But what I am saying, friends, is that yes, we can pray for that spiritual hedge. We can ask our heavenly Father who is merciful, kind, gracious, generous to us. Lord, please, I pray for that hedge of protection around me, around my family, my household, around what I have. Oh, Lord God, please protect me. Protect my loved ones. With that hedge of protection. So interesting, isn't it? So interesting. And you know what? God is willing, but we have to recognize we can't do it all on our own. It's not in and of our own abilities only. No matter how many years Noah worked on the ark, he needed God to shut him in. Did you get, did you get that? Wow. hundred years he works on the ark. Can't rely on Noah. Because you know what? The boat probably would have leaked. God has given each of us natural giftings and natural abilities. Me, you, God has given us all abilities. Koltov, that's great, okay? It's all good. But we can't rely on those purely. Y'all, just because I've had so many years of, and, and, and was blessed to have some certain training, I may be able to speak a little bit, but I can't rely on my own ability to speak to, to share a message like this with you. No, no, no. If it's going to be effective, like really effective, it's got to have the anointing of the Ruach HaKodesh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That is what is going to transform lives. That's when is what is going to make you walk out of here or make you click out of here. <laughs> and, and, and be transformed, not because of Kev, but because of God. Speaking through Kev, you understand. Such is the case with you in your life as well. Don't rely solely on your natural giftings. At the end of the day, you still need God. 
No matter how good, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how much you got it together, no matter how much is in your bank account, no matter how your plans and listen, I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan. You should plan. You, sh- you should have yourself together. You should do things uh, in order, of course. But even with that, Noah did that too. But at the end of the day, God shut him in. And he needed that. He needed God to shut him in. No matter how faithful Daniel was in his prayers, God had to shut the mouth of the lions. Daniel couldn't do that. God had to do it. Daniel had done his part, but God had to do it. You understand? Very important. At the end of the day, we should still be solely dependent upon God for help. It's so easy for us to depend on ourselves. I can do it. I've built a very strong ark. Yes, yes. I've even got a fancy rope to close the door. Check this out. It's pneumatic. Do you know what that is? It really doesn't apply. Okay. <laughs> Don't be overconfident in your giftings, abilities, or accomplishments. It's not about that. It's about God. Now, listen. God will give you natural giftings uh, and abilities, and he wants you to use those. These are, there's a reason he's given you those. Right? And, and part of the reason he's given you those is to, is to bless him and to bless others through them. Man, did you see? I'm moving over here, uh, David. Did you see uh, Stanley here on the guitar, man? First of all, that's a beautiful guitar. This is really, a, you got a few guitars. That, that's a beautiful one. I, I like, the color on that one is fancy. And, uh, and, you know, I'm a musician, but I'm not a guitar player. I pick up this thing. It ain't going to be pretty, okay? Instead of worshiping, it will be purely a joyful noise, okay? <laughs> okay, I can pick up this thing, and I, I, if you give me about 15 minutes, I could probably get Mary had a little lamb. That's about it, out of the guitar, right? But Dr. Dr. Stanley here, he's, by the way, best chiropractor in North Georgia. He's in Cartersville. There's my ad for him. <laughs> he, he adjusts me and my family. Uh, he, in any case, uh, he's a great chiropractor, but, but he's also a very talented guitar player. Now, here's a guy who has an, a natural gifting of, of uh, you know, I mean, obviously, he's, he's a funny guy, cracks people up. <laughs> I don't know, it's one of those days. Uh, <laughs> I, know some, I know what some of you were thinking. Rabbi, earlier you said it was an anointing. Don't call that an anointing. I understand. I understand. That was maybe my natural ability. That's why I depend on the anointing. Okay, he has, he has a gifting to, to heal people with his adjustments, and, and that's wonderful, but he also has a gifting that God has given him to play the guitar. Does, does Dr. Garber have to be a worldwide evangelist and tell the whole world and be on TV and, and or to be a, a United States senator or somebody of great re- renown and importance to, to, to do God's will in his life. No, he's got to do what God has called him to do, right? And, and you know what? Being a, a chiropractor, somebody who's a healer is a gift, okay? Playing a guitar is a gift, but, he, but you see, what does he do? He gives it back to the Lord. And what is it? It's anointed. He depends on the Lord and it blesses all of us. This is the way it's supposed to work, y'all. 
And, and, and your gifting may not be a guitar. We need guitar players, by the way. And if you play guitar or drums, we need new drummers. We need new guitar players. Could use another bass player, okay? These folks do a great job, et cetera. But, okay, but the point is that, is that whatever it is, it might not be something like this. It might be encouraging somebody. I, I'm looking, I see the Wiedemeyers out here. Man, uh, is, there any, is there any couple as, as warm and welcoming as the Wiedemeyers? You know, I don't know if, if Margaret or Steve play, uh, play guitar. I don't think they do. But you know what? They don't need to. That's not their gift. You know, their, their gift, I think, in many ways, I mean, I don't know if it has an official name, loving up on people. That's, that's quite a gift. That's a big-time gift. They, they love up on people. But, you know, they got to they depend upon the grace and mercy of the Lord because, you know what, even as wonderful and as loving as they are, I bet that every once in a while they don't really feel like it. <laughs> you know what? They, they got to depend on the Lord. So you take your giftings, you work within them, but hey, listen, you got to know, let the Lord shut you in. You know what I'm saying? Let the Lord, Proverbs chapter 18, Proverbs chapter 18, we got to depend upon him. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, the, uh, the name of Adonai is a strong tower. The righteous one runs into it and is set safely up high. Turn to God, my friends. He is a strong tower. Run into his care. Don't look at the flood waters. Don't focus on the lion's mouths. Run to the strong tower. There is safety there. There is safety there. Friends, in so many ways, what am I telling you? I'm saying we need that force field. <laughs> we need that force field that God can and is willing to give us and to put around us. We need his help. We can't do it all on our own. As much as we can do, we gotta be turned into him for our help. Luke chapter eight, please. Luke eight, wonderful story about Yeshua and, and it's such an interesting story that is very, very powerful about this woman with the issue of blood who was bleeding and, and, and she could not stop bleeding. She couldn't, all the, she went to all the doctors. Nobody could, could help her. Nobody could heal her. And, and what happened? Verse 43 of Luke chapter 8. There was a woman with a blood flow for 12 years who could not be healed by anyone. She came up from behind... This was Yeshua was there with all of his followers, throngs around him. She came up from behind and touched the tzitzit of Yeshua's garment. These are the tzitzit. Some translations say fringes, but what was it? It was his tzitzit, okay? The, the fringes of Yeshua's garment. Immediately, her blood flow stopped. Yeshua said, who touched me? When everyone denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are surrounding you and pressing in. In other words, who's to know who touched you? Everybody's, you know, 500 people are bumping up against you. What do you mean who touched you? Verse 46, but Yeshua said, someone touched me for I recognize power going out from me. Wow, that's totally cool. Then seeing that she did not escape notice, the woman came trembling and fell prostrate before him. In the presence of all the people, she confessed why she had touched him and how she had been healed immediately. He said to her, daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in shalom. Go in peace. Mm. Friends, this woman was not distracted by the crowds that pressed up against Yeshua. She pressed through and touched Yeshua's tzitzit. She pressed through and her bleeding stopped. Her bleeding was shut off, closed. She was healed. Run to your strong tower. Do you see? Run to your strong tower. There is safety there. There is safety in your strong tower. We have to run to Yeshua. We have to reach out to him. We can't look at what the crowd does or how the crowd pushes us away or how the crowd's going the other direction or how the crowd says, eh, you don't need to do that. Going to service, Shabbat services every week, it's a bit much, don't you think? I mean, most people just go a couple times a year. Yeah, it's, you know, God, yeah, yeah, it's nice, you know, if you believe in mermaids too, huh? you know, okay, you know, the crowd's going to encourage you, not. <laughs> we have to press in, my friends, and at the end of the day, no matter what we do, we still need the master's help, we can't do it on our own. We need the master's help. Are things going great for you right now? Praise God. I'm happy for you. Wonderful. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Turn to God. Lord, I need your help. I need your help. Maybe you're watching online right now and, and, you're, and you're struggling, you're hurting. Maybe you're listening to the podcast. Maybe you're here right now and you've been struggling. People don't know. You all know this. People don't know what's going on inside of you. You all look great here today, and I can't even see you. <laughs> you may look and seem fine. Many of your friends may not even know that you're going through something or if you've been through something, but God knows. Don't, don't be a martyr and think that, well, I got to do this all on my own. I'll just you know, put out the, the stiff upper lip and the, the chin. Run to the strong tower. Look to the one who can put up that cool force field around you to keep you safe and to protect you. There's safety in the strong tower. Your giftings are great, but they can only lead you so far. They can, maybe, maybe they're God-given giftings, and maybe they can get you most of the way, but we can't do it all on our own. We need the master's help. Let's conclude with Psalm 121. Psalm 121. Beloved, we need to depend on God for our protection. Yes, we should do everything that we can, just like Noah did everything he could do. Are you kidding me? This is not for a day or a week or a month or a year. This is decade after decade after decade after decade. Can you imagine how much abuse he took from people saying, you're building an ark for what? 
There's not even a, a, an ocean nearby. What are you doing this for? Can you imagine how much abuse he took? No, friends. We got to depend upon God. Yes, we do our part. He did his part, man. Noah did his part. Wow, Noah did his part. But at the end of the day, he needed God for his protection. Even despite all that he had done, he needed God to shut him in. Psalm 121, the whole psalm, it's a beautiful, it's one of the songs of ascents. We were just at Jerusalem, and this is one of the psalms that was said as you ascend into Jerusalem, into the temple. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where does my help come? Do you need help? Do you ever need help in life, or do you, do you never need any help? Most of us need help. Verse 2, my help comes from Adonai, maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Your keeper will not slumber. Behold, the keeper of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Adonai is your keeper. Adonai, God, is your shadow at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Adonai will protect you from all evil. He will guard your life. Adonai will watch over your coming and your going from this time forth and forevermore. Whoo, man, I feel better just reading that. I'm feeling good now. All right, I'm ready to start another hour of preaching. <laughs> Friends, pray this over yourself and your family. Ask God to shut you into his ark. Ask God to shut the mouths of the lions. Ask God to heal your diseases. Go to him who is your strong tower for safety. And yes, friends, the storms will come. The winds will blow. The floods will rise. But God will watch over your coming and your going from this time forth and forevermore. The title of my sermon is Hedge. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for each and every person here today who has been trying to do it all, has been trying to do it, has been doing it, has been doing good. But at the end of the day, the knowledge that no matter how good we all do, we all need God. No matter how, and, and this goes back to why we need Yeshua in the first place. No matter how moral you are, you can never be perfect. This is why we need God's atonement, right? It's the same real principle here. We need God. And when it comes to heaven, as good as you can be, you can't be perfect. So we need God to shut us in to heaven. You understand? And that comes through the Messiah's atonement, Yeshua. So I want to pray for each and every person who's here today that when 
the struggles of life come and they're thrown into the lion's den or the floods come, whatever it is, that yes, they've done their part to prepare, but at the end of the day, Lord, I pray a hedge of protection. And you pray that over yourself. Maybe let's just take just a moment. Bob will just play on the keyboard just for a second, just with, uh, without any words. And I want you, wherever you are, and if you're watching online, that includes you too. I want for you to pray to God, Lord, I ask you, I humble myself before you. First, humble yourself before God. Secondly, ask for forgiveness for, for anything that you've done, that you've sinned before God. God, please forgive me for, if anything comes to mind, list it out. If not, say, forgive me for anything I've done to not follow your commandments. And then once you've done that, say, God, I humbly ask, please, I humbly ask, place a hedge of protection around me and my family and, and, and what's in my life. Please, please, Lord, I need that hedge of protection. I can't do it on my own. I want to give you just a minute silently yourself to, to, to go through that process. Or if you're watching online, you too. And, and it will only take just one minute here and, and, and ask for that hedge of protection. Please, Lord, help us. A hedge of protection around this congregation. A hedge of protection around our mishpacha, health-wise, um, uh, the theologically. Uh, also, God, just uh, uh, directionally, we want to follow your path, not our will, but yours be done, oh Lord. God, a hedge of protection around us is my prayer. And over each individual member, I ask you, Lord, as the under-shepherd of this congregation, that everybody within this body, that you put a hedge of protection around them, please, oh God. These people love you. Lord, these are your children. I humbly say, Lord, they love you. They care about you. They're here. They're watching. Lord, please, God, protect them. Protect them and that which belongs to them, that you've entrusted to them, Lord. I thank you for this. In Yeshua's name, I want to ask... Is there anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart? If that's you and you've never given your life to God, but you'd like to, wherever you are, lift your hand and we'll pray together. If you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, but you want to today, just raise your hand and we'll pray. Is there anyone? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful service. And if you're watching online and you've never said that prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, just say, dear God, I accept Yeshua into my heart, Lord. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Forgive me of my sins. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, Lord. If you said that prayer for the first time, 
please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you truly. God, I thank you for this message. I thank you for Noah, for his obedience to you. Uh, And Lord, may we be likewise obedient when you tell us to do things, but also, Lord, let us not rely on ourselves, Lord, and shut us into your will. Thank you, O Lord God, for this. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.